Payments Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Hello, welcome to the Payments Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Williams, and today we're going to talk about the highlights and takeaways from Eurofinance's International Treasury Management Conference, which took place in Copenhagen last week. It's their flagship conference and described as the most important treasury event of the year. We're joined once again by Marcus Hughes, Head of Strategic Development at Bottomline. And Marcus, it's great to have you back here with us. Thanks, Rich. It's always a pleasure to share a few thoughts with you and with our listeners, of course. Great. So for anyone not familiar with Eurofinance, could you begin by telling us how you describe the event, please? Uh, Yes, I'd agree. Um, Eurofinance is the largest and most important European conference of the year, um, specifically for corporate payments and cash management. Um, This year, the the three-day event was attended by 2,100 delegates from over 50 countries. Uh, And it's really a great opportunity for corporate treasurers, transaction uh, bankers uh, and fintech firms like Bottomline to meet up and share ideas. Uh, And the event brings together uh, some of the smartest people in the industry. So frankly, it's a date not to be missed. Uh, At this year's event, there were over 100 exhibitors and 200 speakers. And they were sharing a, a wide range of case studies, best practice and insights for all aspects of corporate treasury. Uh, as always, it was a, a highly enjoyable and informative conference with really great networking opportunities. Having recently attended, what were the biggest topics in your opinion, Marcus? Well, as, as usual, um, discussions covered a, a wide range of topics, uh, foreign exchange, hedging techniques, uh, treasury management in exotic geographies you know, like China and Brazil, data security, um, the widespread adoption of uh, supply chain finance, and the impact of new regulations, as usual. Uh, But for me, uh, from the payments and cash management perspective, the four big topics were um, Treasurer's views on regulations like open banking, PSD2, along with the wider adoption of APIs. Um, Probably the most important topic was the digital transformation of Treasury. Uh, Third, um, how an initiative known as SWIFT GPI is making cross-border payments faster, easier to track and more transparent. And finally, I'd say another big theme was the worrying level of geopolitical uncertainty around the world and how to cope with this volatility. There's plenty to explore there in more detail during this episode and regular listeners will certainly not be surprised to hear those themes crop up again. Um, Let's look specifically at the impact of open banking, PSD2 and APIs. Now, how will they affect Treasury, Marcus? Yes, of course. Um, At Eurofinance, there was definitely a lot of talk about open banking and PSD2. Um, A a big question was whether APIs will one day replace SWIFT, which today is widely used by large corporates to manage their global payments and cash management. The general thinking of Treasury was um, not quite yet but probably someday in the future. To, to be realistic, today there, there are still only a limited number of banks who are offering APIs for treasurers to access those banks for corporate payments and cash reporting. Uh, I think this will become available gradually, but it would take quite a few years before this is global. It, it's important to be realistic and recognise that this gradual rollout of APIs internationally isn't going to happen overnight. PSD2 only covers the European Union and other countries are only just beginning to announce initiatives to encourage or require the adoption of APIs for for the secure exchange of data. 
In, in other countries, some banks are opting to offer open APIs on a voluntary basis, but it's going to be quite a long time before APIs can provide anything like the global coverage of multi-bank connectivity, which is available already via SWIFT. So in the meantime, um, the market faces really a considerable challenge with the disparate range of APIs that are currently being developed. This situation creates a high risk of fragmentation um, unless there's a greater harmonization and some central coordination point for this. For me, this could be the perfect job for SWIFT, given its uh, existing really valuable work as a registration authority for ISO 20022. Um, as many of our listeners will know, this is a, a messaging format which is API friendly and, and extremely important in the major program that's underway to standard global payments. Once balance and transaction reporting uh, and treasury payments are, are widely available from banks using APIs, then many treasurers at Eurofinance said they would also like to access bulk payments via API and also information relating to a number of um, activities like their transaction limits, uh, account signatories, credit and overdraft facilities, and fees, of course. So there's really still a lot of work to be done. You mentioned earlier the digital transformation of Treasury. Could you give us some clarity and some examples of what you mean by this? Yeah, this was a big topic with a, a number of approaches being discussed. Um, not surprisingly, Cloud is already widely adopted by many treasurers, especially the mid to large corporates. But for some of the largest corporates, some multinational corporations, which are more conservative, they still prefer their solutions on-premise. Uh, I think the best way to illustrate what I mean by digital transformation is to describe the, the case study which I co-presented with the group treasurer of our custom, customer, Trillium Flow Technologies. Our presentation uh, in the plenary room um, to hundreds of treasurers was entitled An Easier Path to Digital Treasury Transformation. I was truly delighted to present with Patrick Verspecht, who's a, um, a highly respected uh, and experienced treasurer who holds a, a, an impressive number of senior posts in, in trade associations. Uh, he's a, a board member and secretary of the Belgian Association of Corporate Treasurers also a member of the Luxembourg Association of Corporate Treasurers. He's coordinator of the FinTech's workgroup at the European Association of Corporate Treasurers and is also Belgian representative at the International Group of Treasury Associations. So quite a line up there. And last but not least, I'm really delighted to say that Patrick has chosen Bottomline's cloud-based payments and cash management solution, not just once, but twice in different treasury roles. So in our case study, uh, we explored how Patrick has solved the big pain points from which many treasurers do suffer today. Uh, we told the story about how a treasurer can achieve digital transformation more quickly, more easily and more cost-effectively than has been possible historically. We felt this was really relevant not only to large corporates but also to mid-sized corporates and we certainly got very positive feedback. Patrick explained that treasury projects have a bad habit of taking a long time with headcount and a lot of money being required. And what a treasurer really needs is reliability and speed to go live. Um, they need rapid results so they can quickly demonstrate uh, that a project is delivering value. So in implementing our solution, Trillium Flow Technologies were live and receiving prior day and real-time statements from their main banks within just a few weeks. Could you tell us how the team achieved the impressive speed to go live in this project, Marcus? Well, the whole approach was different 
because they divided the implementation project into small and very manageable steps. The first big difference for many other conventional projects was that Patrick decided not to join SWIFT immediately. That would probably come later in our programme, but he wanted the advantages of SWIFT's global reach and multibank connectivity from the very start. So we found an easier and quicker way to get started. Instead of Trillium Flow Technologies joining SWIFT, we used the new bottom line BIC, which is a SWIFT address, um, and that was our BIC as a service offering. So we have our own BIC, which belongs to a regulated entity, Bottom Line Payment Services Limited. And earlier in 2019, this bottom line subsidiary joined SWIFT as a supervised financial institution because it is regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK. This special status sets us apart from most other fintech or treasury management systems firms. More important, this means that we can send and receive SWIFT messages on behalf of our customers, such as corporates or asset managers, without these businesses needing to go through the hoops to join SWIFT themselves. And for a corporate, this means that a treasury team can very quickly view balances and transactions at their banks on an easy-to-use portal. They can also allow users working outside Treasury to view statements relevant to their line of business or region. In the background, the way this works is that the corporate instructs its bank to send via SWIFT MT940 messages, which are prior day statements, and MT942s, which are interim updates, to, BIC's, to, to Bottom Line's BIC, which is our address on the SWIFT network. In, in turn, Bottom Line exposes this data on their cloud-based payment and cash management platform so that the corporate's entitled users can view their statements using real-time dashboards and easy-to-use search functions. At the same time, the transaction data can be loaded automatically into the ERP system, usually after some automated data transformation to meet the ERP's format requirements such as SAP IDOCs. And were there any other factors which helped to make the implementation faster than usual here? Yes, our payments and cash management solution is really highly standardised and, and many aspects are pre-configured. This has a really positive impact on implementation timelines because of the re reduced complexity and the packaged nature of this solution. So with its automated standard deployment, the, the customer can start testing really early. Uh, if required, the standard package can then be adapted for a customer's specific needs. Uh, the platform has standard workflow, which can be modified easily by the system's administrators through the cloud-based user interface. And with limited training, systems administrators can add new banks and business units. The, the, the payment and cash management uh, standard environment comes with embedded routing rules and standard format integration, uh, and it automatically processes a range of formats, for example, MT940, 942, Payne 002, which are payment status reports, MT101, Payne 001, and back standard 18. All this means that we were well able, we were able very quickly to take the customer through the various project phases, um, that's development, quality assurance, user acceptance testing, and then live. So dividing the overall project into small steps, each step with specific and measurable benefits, means that Patrick was quickly able to demonstrate to his team that Trillium Flow Technologies was getting genuine value from the project. In other words, they got a quick win, which is really very important indeed. 
This helps a, a treasurer's credibility uh, with his or her chief financial officer or chief executive, and it makes it easier to ensure money for the project and very important to obtain budgetary approval with that, without a big fight. So, so as you complete one step of the project and you are satisfied you're gaining tangible benefits, you can move swiftly on to the next phase. So, so it was a major advantage to divide the project scope into meaningful deliverables that can be attained within short time frames. This way, we really completely avoided that Groundhog Day situation of never-ending project management meetings, which are missing deadlines and using up more resources and more cash than planned. Would it be fair to say that a treasurer's greatest priority is cash visibility? In many organisations, yes, it is. Um, As treasurers often say, cash is king. Cash flow is the very lifeblood of any business. Uh, And it's essential for a corporate to know how much liquidity it has, where this cash is located, and how easily funds can be moved and used for the benefit of the organisation. The challenge which almost all large corporates have in common is that they've got hundreds, even thousands of bank accounts and numerous banking relationships. The practical reality of this situation is that many corporates still don't have the instant visibility of their bank balances or the control which they need in order to optimise their working capital. For most corporates, cash reporting across disparate internal systems and multiple banks is extremely challenging and it requires time-consuming data compilation all drawn from multiple sources. Many treasury teams are over-reliant on Excel spreadsheets and other manual processes which they're using for gathering account information and for calculating their cash position. This labour-intensive activity can be error-prone and lacks security, and it's difficult, of course, to maintain version control. This daily task can take hours if the information Uh, is downloaded manually from various banks, e-banking platforms, and this is still often the case, unfortunately, in many corporates. To optimise these processes, it's important for a corporate to be able to capture data from overnight statements and to combine this with intraday statements. This can be fully automated using Bottom Line Statement Manager, which uses MT9 series messages, as well as ISO 20022 messages, and other formats. So by gathering all of your bank account and transaction data in one place, you obtain an accurate picture of where your cash is and how much you hold. This is a key activity for any treasurer, so automating this process is really a major win, saving time and money. It'd be really interesting to know what the next plans are for Trillium Flow. Um, So now they have that all-important cash reporting in place, would they then focus on payments capability itself using Bottom Line's BIC as a service, for example? Uh, Yes, uh, exactly. Um, Bottom Line is expanding its list of um, standard MT101 service level agreements with, with a growing number of major banks, and new names can be added quite quickly on a standard bank documentation form. So so this provides a clean and quick solution for high-value treasury payments. All of this on a bank-independent cloud-based platform, which has strong control and strong security features. Patrick recommended that the best structure for managing payments across multiple bank relationships is a cloud-based payment hub. 
This has the important advantage of ensuring bank independence. It was the global financial crisis that showed us, all of us, the importance of being able to switch cash balances and to be able to move payment flows from one bank to another. Um, a payment hub gives you the flexibility and connectivity options to multiple banks and allows you to change these arrangements quickly in case of need. This is truly preferable to being locked into a single bank's e-banking platform, as, as bitter experience has shown over the financial crisis. So, so using our payments manager dashboard, the Treasury team can see the status of all payments. We consolidate data from multiple reliable sources, such as banks' payment status reports, which confirm when payment instructions have been received by the bank and when they've been processed by the bank. This information is all consolidated on an easy-to-use dashboard, and this, ad- this allows users to um, follow um, payment lifecycle monitoring by region, by bank, by currency, and by business unit, or with a drill-down capability to see the required details if necessary. And what about the story that some banks are starting to offer customers balance information via API calls? Yeah, this is beginning to happen, of course. Um, and what we've done is we've developed um, an innovative approach which combines open banking and PSD2 with our SWIFT capabilities. So we're already connected to a good number of banks' APIs to allow, us cu- to allow our customers to access multi-bank account information services as well as payment initiation services. As more banks open up their APIs, we'll add more banks to our platform. This hybrid will make the longer-term transition to API connectivity much easier. So as I mentioned earlier, as a regulated payment institution, at bottom line, we can use our own BIC or SWIFT address, and we can offer a payments and cash management solution to corporates without any need for that corporate to join SWIFT. In addition, we're accredited to provide PSD2 and open banking account information and payment initiation services. So this solution combines APIs as well as SWIFT to capture balance and transaction data for customers who have multiple bank relationships and enables them also to manage their payment initiation. This forms part of our flexible multi-network and multi-protocol connectivity options. The hybrid approach we've adopted has a big advantage um, of uh, future-proofing a treasurer from any change. It will be quite a long time before APIs have the global reach of SWIFT for a corporate treasurer, but our model offers the best of both worlds and maximum flexibility. So the combined offering has a significant advantage over other fintech solution providers which are only aggregating data which they've captured via APIs, since this this new API market is really still fragmented and only evolving gradually. Our innovative approach means customers can get live very quickly which is highly valuable to a treasurer. Within a few weeks, the treasury team could be receiving statements from their key banks all via a single user interface with dashboards, which really is a major win for cash management. Uh, Another innovation and accelerator, which we're about to introduce, is API connectivity between our corporate customer systems and our own cloud-based platform. So this new payment REST public API will make it easier and faster for customers to connect with us securely. And the customer will even be able to test our solutions in our sandbox. The, the new API will be available for messages based on CGI ISO 20022 and traditional FIN messages. 
Regarding bulk payments, what options do, does a customer have to streamline this in particular? Well, we offer a range of flexible connectivity options, which will suit different requirements and scenarios. So this includes Swift, of course, as well as eBix and host-to-host and direct access to BACs in the UK. So a corporate can use our host-to-host capability to connect with their main payment banks in a cost-effective way. That way, a corporate can manage its bulk payments and SEPA direct debits, for example, in a more efficient way. The most flexible model is a hybrid solution, which offers a range of connectivity options. For example, um, a combination of SWIFT for Treasury, that is, you know, capturing up-to-date and even real-time statements from multiple banks, and also managing Treasury payments. But for bulk payments, it's more cost-effective to link with a small number of core banks using host-to-host. eBix is also another useful option for corporates whose banks are concentrated in Western Europe, um, countries like France and Germany and Switzerland. Um, Bottomline offers all these options, uh, and although Patrick chose to use Bottomline's BIC as a service at the outset, he still has the flexibility to join Swift Score at a later later date. Um, Through our three Swift service bureaus in London, Geneva and Singapore, Bottomline's got plenty of experience of helping corporates to join SWIFT and to get their own BICs. So becoming a member of SWIFT score is a logical step which a business can take at any time when it's, as their needs evolve. So once the customer's put in place uh, the multi-bank payments and the cash reporting, what other steps can Trillium Flow take to manage their cash more efficiently? Well, you can use um, your payments and cash management platform to set up um, a cash concentration structure. This means you can consolidate surplus funds in accounts by currency and optimise the the return on investment which you make on these credit balances. Cash concentration also minimises any interest charges on overdrawn accounts. So our cash manager module allows the customer to establish a set of rules for individual accounts. For example, at the end of each day, we can transfer any funds above a certain threshold all to a concentration account. The threshold can be zero or any other reasonably low figure, such as €20,000 or something like that. The system can be configured to automatically initiate these payments, or alternatively, the system can simply propose the optimal set of payments to meet the cash concentration objectives, but it's then the Treasury team who need to go through a payment approval process or workflow before releasing those payment instructions to the relevant banks to achieve their desired objectives. So, so some banks charge for a cash concentration service, but with a, a multi-bank payments and cash management platform, you can automate the process yourself and modify it at any time, giving you increased flexibility. This means you can uh, rationalise your bank relationships and avoid over-reliance on any single bank. So this in turn truly mitigates your bank counterparty risk, which is a very important aspect for any treasurer. So so in in trying to summarise our Eurofinance case study with Trillium Flow Technologies, uh, I'd say the the top three tips that we shared for successful and rapid digital transformation are are one, start simple and smart. So for example, our statement manager and big as a service to get up and running with a quick win. Um, Then uh, two, uh, expand and roll out in a controlled way. For, For example, our payment manager with real-time dashboard and multiple connectivity options, which streamline first treasury payments and then bulk payments, 
And then third and finally, um, rationalize and automate. So use, for example, our cash manager to concentrate cash, manage short-term liquidity planning, and optimize your working capital. Thank you. That was a nice overview there of how a treasurer can achieve digital transformation more quickly, more easily, and more cost-effectively. If we move on now to some of the other themes from Eurofinance, uh, you mentioned that SWIFT GPI was discussed at the event. Now, what can you tell us about SWIFT GPI, um, what it is, and how it can make payments for a business that uses it more efficient? Yes, of course. Um, Another closely related hot topic of Eurofinance was SWIFT GPI, which stands for Global Payment Innovation. This uh, exciting innovation was um, uh, launched only three years ago, and and it's already enabling fast, traceable, and transparent cross-border payments on a large scale. Its traction and success uh, have been impressive, to the point that for me, GPI is probably the single most important initiative by SWIFT in the last 20 years. The statistics are impressive. Um, 500 banks live, over 50% of SWIFT cross-border MT103 messages already go via GPI. That's more than $300 billion of payments per day. And and 40% of those GPI payments are actually being credited to the beneficiary within just four minutes despite being cross-border. That's truly impressive. And 90% of GPI messages are settled the same day. So, So this brings significant benefits to a treasurer in terms of speed, reliability, and predictability. The the treasurer is also able to track where payments are and to know in advance the fees payable. At bottom line, we're exploring an exciting enhancement to GPI as part of our cloud-based payment and cash management platform. Uh, With a few exceptions, at present, multi-banked corporates can only access GPI via the e-banking platforms of their various banks who are offering GPI. This means today they can only see information relating to each bank on its separate e-banking system. That's instead of all the aggregated information being available on one consolidated platform. So enabling corporates to access GPI via a multi-bank payment hub will make it easier for the corporate community to benefit from more fully from GPI in a multi-bank environment. The corporate payment hub will will apply a unique end-to-end transaction reference, which is attached to the payment throughout its life cycle. This makes it easy to track and to reconcile and provide accurate reporting. This applies to all cross-border payments, whether they're MT-FIN or XML formats. And, And the payment hub's dashboard allows users to track payments and, more importantly, to manage exceptions more easily. And and what's more, GPI's roadmap is full of value-add solutions. These will help improve the speed and efficiency of payments. For example, by the end of 2020, all 10,000 banks on the SWIFT network must provide universal confirmations. This means a treasurer will be able to receive confirmation that funds have been credited to the beneficiary's account. Looking slightly further ahead, SWIFT also has plans for a stop and recall service. That's for payment instructions after they've been released into the SWIFT network. Also, a new pre-validation scheme is going to allow banks to send and receive API calls over SWIFT to check beneficiary information with the ultimate receiving bank. So this information checking is performed before the payment is made, so banks will be able to quickly correct any errors 
and thereby reduce delays and costs of payments getting misdirected. The new service is really going to improve straight through processing rates and it'll also uh, reduce the risk of fraud. The, the cross-border pre-validation solution is actually a bit like the confirmation of payee solution, which bottom line are launching next year in the UK. And this is going to help reduce the risk of payments being sent to the wrong party. Today, there's still no standard cross-border collection instrument, even though many countries, of course, do have their own domestic instruments like direct debits. And in response to the big demand from treasurers for easier cross-border collections, SWIFT and their partners are developing a cross-border request-to-pay instrument. Uh, this cross-border model is similar to the request-to-pay instrument which Bottom Line is now testing and launching in the UK in the next few months. So aside from cash visibility and reporting, what else are the, the key worries that would keep a treasurer up at night? That's a classic question. Um, well, it seems to me that the um, elephant in the room continues to be cyber fraud and financial crime. This is a major problem for any organisation, especially those doing business internationally. Um, the, the, the increased risk here is proven by the growing number of banks and other corporates which are falling victim to cyber attacks. What is clear is that cyber fraudsters are increasingly sophisticated. Uh, these criminals invest significant time and money in planning highly skilled cyber attacks, making use of malware and other techniques to conceal their illegal activities, both before, during and after the heist. With this increase in cyber fraud, it, it's really essential that organisations up their game. But they've got to ensure they have multiple layers of defence, which help them keep ahead of the fraudsters. Obviously, security policies and procedures, as well as training, they're all vital for protecting an organisation against cyber fraud. But technology also has a key role to play. It's, of course, essential to encrypt data when it's at rest or in transit. But it's not just a case of protecting customer data. It's also vital to do everything possible to detect and prevent fraudulent payments. Payment systems uh, obviously have to have a secure internal uh, control framework, like um, secure access, segregation of duties, four eyes approval workflow, uh, full audit trail, uh, and multi-factor authentication. Um, on top of all that, one valuable technique which is seeing growing adoption is to deploy a cloud-based system which monitors transactions and user behavior. This helps detect unusual activity. And this strategy should really form part of uh, any organization's layered cyber defense. Advanced analytics and profiling of user behavior and of transactions, this, this can enable a system to understand what are normal transaction patterns and normal user activity. The data can then be used as the basis for detecting abnormal and potentially fraudulent transactions, all this in real time. So a powerful fraud analytics system combines rule-based detection with machine learning. That's because this enhances the rules engine to reduce false positives um, as machine learning updates the system continuously. A payment fraud prevention system must also have the ability to flag suspicious transactions and block these potentially fraudulent payments, again, all in real time. It's vital these suspicious transactions are stopped before they're released onto the payment network. In, in, in that sense, unfortunately, the growth in real-time payments also means a risk, sorry, I'd say a rise in, in, the, in, the, in the risk of real-time fraud problems, uh, only with a few seconds to react. 
So payment fraud solutions must work in real time across multiple payment channels. Another elephant in the room here. Uh, There's a lot of political tension around the world right now. And was there any advice that was shared for treasurers on how to manage the heightened risks that may result from that in particular? Yes. um, At Eurofinance, there was a lot of discussion about increased political tension uh, around the world, um, such as the the China-US trade war, political unrest in the Middle East, and many other examples. With with so much uncertainty, and and the US government's habit of uh, imposing sanctions of countries at extremely short notice, there's therefore a a growing need for real-time sanction filtering. These constant updates to sanction blacklists make it highly challenging for organisations to keep up to date in these politically uh, volatile times. So banks and other regulated financial institutions are, of course, um, in the front line of this fight on financial crime and money laundering. But but nowadays, um, with the increase in enforcement action against corporates by the US Office of Foreign Assets Control, which is better known as OFAC, this underlines that corporates can no longer simply rely on their banks to prevent payment to an entity, a person or a a country on a sanction list. Increasingly, it's the corporates themselves which should consider implementing their own increased controls for sanction filtering. This this not only ensures they remain compliant, but they're also able to provide a full audit trail about any suspicious beneficiaries and payments uh, or transactions which are flagged by by their banks. So if a corporate's able to screen a transaction against a sanction list before releasing the payment instruction to the bank, the management team is certainly going to have additional peace of mind. Uh, And this technique avoids the reputational risk of being identified by your bank as having proposed payments to blacklisted organisations or individuals or countries, of course. So cloud-based sanction screening software for corporates makes it easier for a business to identify and mitigate risk by filtering all transactions in real time against constantly updated sanction lists. So in creating a a cloud-based payment hub with its integrated sanction screening capability is a big advantage in this fight against financial crime. And as well as screening transactions against official lists, um, an an organisation should really develop their own in-house good lists and bad lists. So for example, screening solutions can be used to identify and stop any inappropriate payments which are being directed towards employee bank accounts. This is going to help prevent internal fraud issues. Uh, And meanwhile, good lists can be created to cover special beneficiaries, which are allowed to be paid despite operating in sanctioned countries. So, for example, the Red Cross providing medical aid in a war-torn country. So, So in this way, good lists can greatly reduce the task of managing many false positives and repeat payments. Cross-border payments are generally perceived to be expensive and complex. What was shared about the strategy to reduce the volume and, as a result, the cost of these cross-border payments? Yeah, this is um, an important uh, money-saving subject. So so as I've already mentioned, uh, GPI is helping to make cross-border payments more efficient and transparent, but this does not necessarily reduce the cost, including foreign exchange conversion charges. So the additional advice offered at Eurofinance was to glocalise payments. This strange word is is a combination of local and global. Um, An example would be converting cross-border payments into domestic ACA, sorry, ACH instruments, I should have said, but by by using um, disbursement and collection accounts in-country. 
This is a highly recommended best practice for any countries where a business has a concentration of payments. This typically means that a cash manager's yeah a cash manager's policy in a sophisticated corporate is going to be wherever possible convert cross-border payments into local domestic payments. Generally, this approach delivers lower costs and higher straight-through processing. Treasurers should bear in mind that if they have many payments to a particular country, it's cost-effective to open a local disbursement account in that country. This disbursement account can be funded with a single wholesale cross-border payment from the head office to the overseas disbursement account, and this cross-border payment would be for the aggregate value of all the payments due to be made locally over the coming days. Once the funding is on the account in-country, a file of domestic payments is sent to the local bank with instructions to make these disbursements via ACH, most typically, or potentially via local wire, depending on the urgency of such payments. Any of these techniques will be less costly than making a separate cross-border payment for each amount that's due to the end beneficiary in-country. So currency accounts with a bank in another uh, country can also be used to receive local payments from your customers. This makes it easier for a business's end customers to pay them with local currency domestic payments, therefore avoiding the customer facing the cost and complexity of cross-border payments. Using currency accounts helps a business to mitigate its exposure to volatile exchange rates. Um, This is thanks to the matching of flows of inward and outward payments. And this reduces the need to make multiple foreign exchange purchases and sales, which is, of course, costly. If a significant balance accumulates over time, occasional cross-border payments can be used to repatriate repatriate those surplus funds to main bank accounts held at the head office level. So collections or direct debits can be handled in a similar way. Um, Domestic format DDs are, are sent to the local bank, which in turn submits these to the local ACH. Once these monies are received, the Treasury may decide to leave the funds in country, especially if there are imminent disbursements to make, or any surplus funds could of course be swept back to the head office or regional bank accounts. So in developing a corporate payment strategy, it's vital to take into account any local differences in markets where, where, there are, where organisations have a significant flow of payments and collections. So, so, for example, um, UK payment schemes allow direct corporate access to BACs, that's the UK's ACH, and to the Faster Payments Service. So, th- so, so this is, is different to other countries where corporate payment files are submitted to the local ACH via their payment banks. So it's important to find a payment hub which incorporates these local requirements in order to benefit from maximum flexibility and lowest cost routing. As we come to the end of this podcast now, do you have any final thoughts on this year's Eurofinance event? Uh, Yes, of course. Um, In the near term, I see a a rich widening of of payment instruments and systems, which which treasurers will be able to use to make their tasks easier and and faster. Just a few examples are request to pay, uh, confirmation of payee, which we've looked at, uh, as well as um, Visa B2B Connect and MasterCard Track. And there are plenty of others too, of course. But with so much choice, treasurers are going to need trusted solution providers, which can help them access these multiple networks and solutions that best suit them. Uh, one, one challenge that won't change is that mid-sized corporates and large corporates are going to continue to operate multiple bank accounts and they'll be faced by the same task of connecting to multiple banks and payment networks, 
or to manage their global payments and cash more efficiently. Um, at bottom line, we're certainly well placed to help our customers make the right choice and put in place solutions that are simple, smart and secure. That's great, Marcus. Thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing your thoughts on this year's Euro Finance and great to have you with us again. My pleasure. Until next time. So unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back with some more podcasts very soon. And in the meantime, you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider. And we'll see you all next time. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.